0: hello ladies let's purge welcome to another episode of the she's free to fly podcast and today we have one of my dear friends on the podcast andrea omajola and we are going to discuss national adoption awareness month um andrea has had the faith of a thousand mountains Ever since I have known her, she has had the smile as beautiful as the ocean is like. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. Just looking at her, she's so beautiful. I'm just so thankful um, to have you here, Andrea. Um, I'll let you give a brief introduction of yourself. And um, I'm just going to give you the floor for a second. Oh, hey, thank you so much for having me today, Deshonda. I am incredibly excited to be
1: here i say that all the time wherever i go excited because of what god is doing in my life where he has done what he has done in my life and what he's going to do in my life so all right you know god is good all the time um my voice is a little bit hoarse today but we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna go with it and just sound like i'm sexy you are <laughs> i'm sexy. embracing my sexy side sexy. So, yeah i'm excited to be here and talk all about the things in particular about adoption and our journey and, you know, just God's faithfulness through it all.
0: All right. All right. All right. Um, So let's just kick this thing off, man. Let's just, right. let's just kick it off and just let's hit it. a home run. Our first shot, I went from kicking it off. So that's football to a home run, which is baseball. <laughs> you mix to it our first shot, which is basketball. Okay. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. it. Um, it. Yes. Yeah. So, welcome to She's Free to Fly, um, Andre. You have definitely been thank you a just a staple in my life for years upon years upon years. Um, As have you in me, Deshonda. Well, thank you. Yeah. And you have been that friend that has truly just accepted me for who I am. If I fall off the map. Andrea is the person on the edge, leaning over with her arms stretched down. Like, come on, I got you. Come back up here. And um, you've just given me that grace. You've been the person I can listen to, um, the person I can talk to, the person I can just work some things out with on my head. You've been with me um, on my educational journey, my journey Praise as a parent. <laughs> Praise <laughs> the Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Praise I'm the Lord. Gonna- we might get silly on this one because <laughs> this is one of my girls for real. So we just really might get silly on this one. Um, But you have just been that person. And um, I'm just thankful to have known you. I met you through church years ago. I can't even really? remember how many years ago. Um, But we met through Let's church. And that we have- because
1: then we have to like disclose how old we are and all that kind of good stuff. And while I'm grateful for all the years, we ain't
0: got to talk about it. Okay. We don't, we won't talk about them today. We won't talk about them today. We'll keep those between me and you. Um, but we have just been on quite a few journeys together yes. and I am okay. thankful. And for that, you know, in front of the world who will listen to this episode, I say, thank you for being a wonderful example of a friend who gives true, 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 true grace. Thank you. And um, Thank you. And yeah. I remember when we were on the retreat a while ago, you were talking about how graceful your mother is, or it was on a phone call or something. Yeah. And it was in that conversation that I realized that that spirit of grace is what passed through her to you. Mm. And um, I'm just thankful to be a recipient of that grace.
1: Well, I'm, I'm grateful that some of that trickled in. She's definitely a lot more grace-filled than I am. But mm-hmm. uh, she's uh, she's been an example in my life of what it means to forgive what seems to be the unforgivable, what it means to walk with people. Um, She walks with me, you know, and Mm -hmm. with so much grace and others as well. So I've really been, I've really learned a lot from her. And I think, you know, when I came to know the Lord, which was not until like my my mid to late twenties, one of the lessons very early on that became important to me because it mirrored what I was taught
0: is Mm -hmm. Jesus's,
1: uh saying that you know a, a man should find himself friendly like like a to friend is friendly so i try my best to be the friend i want to also experience if that okay. it's so somewhat selfish quite honestly um, you know i need friends i need people around me that can hold me accountable iron sharpening iron and all of that and so as a result of that i try to be that i don't always do it right i don't always do it well Uh, but definitely, you know, the grace that I extend is the grace that I also need. So I think that's, that's where that comes from. Yeah. I
0: don't, I don't think there's anything selfish about it. I think it's the most self thing that we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the most self thing, the thing that fills you up is to fill someone else up. And then 100%, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I know we were. We're definitely gonna talk about National Adoption Month. So if there's anybody to our listeners, if you know someone who is thinking about adoption, this is definitely the episode that you want to listen to right. and you want to share with someone else. Right. Like, literally share it. Like this is the point that you want to start sharing. And there's a journey to get to that point, and we're gonna discuss that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want the people to know who you are as a servant of God. Mm. Um, so if you would share some of that, just your heirs of service and travel, international service and ministry and okay. So that we can uh, get a full picture of who you are. Um. Well, uh,
1: I don't need y'all to see all of the sides of me because <laughs> she ain't all good. <laughs> However, <clears throat> uh, To your to your point about service to God, I think I just started saying a second ago. You know, I came to know the Lord later. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up in the church, although my mother was a Christian. um, My father was a Muslim and still is, Mm -hmm. and um, so grew up in a loving household, a very uh, um, a two parent home, but was definitely kind of what a religious, if that's Mm -hmm. a word that you could use, and um, so I had to i had the blessing, I think, of being able to find God for myself on my mm-hmm. own terms. And he definitely sought me out because I know that I had a praying grandmother, you know how they all say right. mm-hmm. I know she was, you know, deaconess in the church and all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, but even with that, there was no force involved. And so my relationship with God is one that wasn't forced. It was mm-hmm. definitely one where he met me in a time of need and I, I was able to recognize that it was him. And so I I haven't turned back ever since. Um and when I first came into my walk with God, I knew that my call was specific to working with young adults, but I knew that grew over time. And so I've done a lot of ministry and young adult work and but even before I came to God I was A a missionary at heart. You know, my father is not from the United States. And so I call myself the quintessential African American because he's from Guinea in West Africa. And so we spent a lot of time traveling here and there. And it created um, a sense of self. And my worldview is very much that of a third culture kid. And so I have, uh, it only made sense then that when I was in the Lord, that I would use that that essence to go to the nations as well as to my neighbors. And so um, I just have known that God has called me to do uh, mission work, both abroad as well as here stateside. And, you know, that, that call to uh, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world to try to take seriously in my life. And uh, that's not been easy. And then sort of leading into the conversation about family and so forth is that I did that originally as a single woman who yearned to be married i mean yearned like it knew in my soul that that was going to be part of my experience and trusted god for that but it in the middle of trusting god i think people think oh just cuz you complain or cuz you say you know you might say to your girlfriends over and over again i want to be married or what have you or you might cry a few tears here and there that must mean you don't trust god no nope. It wasn't an issue of not trusting God. It was not, uh, I was not enjoying the wait necessarily. Okay. And and it was one of the first experiences for me of God testing me in waiting, in that waiting mm-hmm. season. And so uh, I eventually ended up going, long oh, story short, I, I ended up on a ship called Mercy Ships and uh, serving as a missionary on that, on board. I thought I was going for just a couple of months and I ended up ultimately being there almost five years. And that was where God um, had me find my husband and where we met. And it was, it was our love boat. And so uh, we met, he is not, like I said. he's, he's, he, we were, we were among a bunch of nations. And so he's also not from America. He's from Nigeria. And when we met, I said, you know, I'm already at the time I was already 40. Or thirty nine, turning forty. And yeah, I'm told my age now. <clears throat> but it becomes <laughs> relevant because you know, I I think I say to people now, I have younger women now who ask me, you know, how'd you wait? Or knowing you wanted kids and all these other things along the way, you know, what did you think about doing? And um and and I had to trust God through through that, knowing that um my timing would have been different. Had it been me, I would have, you know, emulated what my mother did at 25 years old, been married and started my family, but that wasn't, that wasn't to be my story. And so I knew that God was saying, you know, you need to live out loud regardless of who's with you, who's on the journey with you is not going to stop what your call is. And so I was trying to be faithful in that and just walk that out fully. And, and I knew, and, and to be kind of that person that um, could be found I wanted to be found. I wanted uh, Boaz to find a good thing, right? So I needed to be working in the fields. And so I was out working. I just started to refocus myself. In any case, I'm not to be too religious about it, but that ultimately was how how I thought about it. Like I need to be just living my life. And because if it doesn't happen, I don't want to look back with any regrets. If for some reason I'm misunderstanding that I'm supposed to be married or have a family, you, I want to you, say I still lived a full life that was full of love and goodness. I have God, children, and ne- nephew, and other people that I knew I could pour love into, and I had to resolve that. I had to come to a place of of healing and a decision that I was going to be okay regardless of what happened. So I went to the ship, um, happened to meet my husband in about a year in to being at the ship on the ship. And then we got married another year after that. And it was a fantabulous time. Um, He is the one for me. uh, And he's the one who can deal with me in all of my nests, all of me, all of Andrea nests, (laughs) um, all sides of that. And, and I think he needs me too. So we're a good match. And that, that makes a difference. Uh, But when we met, we had those hard conversations right up front. Because by this point in my life, I had friends who had been married, divorced, uh, you know, in marriages currently that had struggled with fertility and some came out on the other side of that with children and some who didn't. So I knew it wasn't a guarantee that you could just pop children out, even though it seems like the world kind of just makes it sound like that, right? You know, the the American dream is just, you're just going to have these 2.5 kids and they're just going to arrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not that easy for everybody, and so I went into um, my marriage with some real clear like we we are we are open to how God forms our family. We know that that will be potentially in a multi. We wanted it to be in a multitude of ways. Both okay. of us had grown up with the experience of seeing adoption in our families, informal adoption mostly, but adoption okay. nonetheless. And had grown up with that desire uh, for that in our families and in our life. And so we had those conversations up front. I said to him right away, like, if if having children is a deal breaker, then I'm not your girl. Because it could just be me and you to the end. Right. And I need to know that that is going to be sufficient.
0: Just honest uh, conversation. Like absolutely. Up front. Like, that's strength. Yeah. That's power. Yeah. That's that's. That's truth and self-awareness and Mm -hmm. just, but first you had to have the hard conversation with yourself. Yes.
1: Yes, that was it. And that was the, that was what I was saying. You know, I had to come to a place of, like I had to grieve the potential of not getting what I wanted.
0: Okay. Okay. I had to kind of of reconcile that in my heart. Kind of reconcile that. Let me ask you this question before we go further. Mm -hmm. Do you think if you had not, gotten married and met your husband, do you think you still would have formed a family in a non-traditional, I don't even want to say non-traditional without in, in the image that you had in your mind for it? Um, probably not in the mm-hmm.
1: if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly. So, you know, even when I was living in Atlanta and when, mm-hmm. when we met at church, There were Mm -hmm. a couple of people who had come to me and said, you know, Andrea, you know, you're in your 30s, stable job, all those things. You should just go on ahead and start fostering. And, you know, you should foster to adopt right then. I should be a single parent. And I couldn't decide to choose to do that. Like upfront. Like if you have to do that, I'm all for it. Right. Um, You know, I know that people have to. Right. But I don't think that it I didn't feel for me. That I okay. had enough, if that makes sense, to offer mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. and I knew that I have I, and I still do. I have a great family, um, that, a network of support, but I know that for me, I deci- I had decided that it was enough for me to be a great auntie and a yes. running a stupendous, you know, uh, godmother God, and like, all of it. Like yeah. I was committed to that being. Yeah. The how that being the non traditional way that my family was formed, if okay. I was to remain single, um and and also knowing that you know we have family all over the place and like if a family member had needed me to take a child or something like that, mm-hmm. which is a lot of times in the black community how how yes. adoption kind of informally happens, right? Right. Uh, I I felt like that would be something that could happen in my life. Okay, um, and okay. so. I was just open to those kinds of things, but I don't think I would have sought to um, enter into the system that is adoption in this country by myself or to do in vitro. And that's that's only because, and I I applaud those people who can do it. Uh, That's more because of me being realistic about what I think my capacity uh, was and is,
0: quite honestly. And and thank you for sharing that although it was not your desire or your plan, your awareness is it wasn't your capacity to do. Right,
1: right. right. Okay. And I know that there are Mm -hmm. dynamic, such as yourself, you know, who have been single moms and and who have rocked it out of the park, Mm -hmm. you know? And I Mm -hmm. think I could do it per se, but I don't think I wanted to choose that for uh, the child that was involved right up front, like out of the box. Now I say that now, but who knows what, what I would have chosen, you know, right? At, at at this age, for instance, I'm I'm about to be fifty. So, if it had gone until fifty, and all of a sudden I looked up and and mm-hmm. there was no man to be uh, around, mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe at this point I would have made a different decision. But okay. I knew before then I had consciously been asked that question very directly, okay. and then made a decision not to. Uh, okay. enter into a parenting situation by myself, just, you know, okay. off the bat.
0: Okay. Now you, you, you know, um, I love that husband you have to death, but y'all let me tell you how Andrea called this man's name out before she even met him. Do you remember that? Oh yes. Yes, I did. She you said, know, I'm I... going to get on mercy ships and I'm going to meet. And yes, so it was God said, yes. okay, that's his name. Okay.
1: Yes. <laughs> You know, God has often blessed me with those kinds of signs or, you know, just sweet. I call them my sweet gifts from my father. They're sweet gifts from my father that just confirm that I'm going in the right direction. And um, yeah, I I had made that statement kind of in passing and Mm being silly because I was going to Mercy Ships and everybody kept saying, you're going to meet your husband. And I was so mad at people. I kept being so, I was so angry because I was like, "Why? today as a single woman, that's your focus. You should be like focusing on the fact that I'm going to go work and I'm going to go do these great things. And instead you're talking, I'm going to meet my husband. I'm not going to meet my husband. I'm going for the purpose of serving God. So can we focus there? How about that? Mm -hmm. How about that? Well, now you
0: can do both things. You serve God and you met your husband. Who's that you call before you even went? Right.
1: Yes, I did. I said, I said, well, I'm going to go meet this man and. I called the name and then later on to come to find out that that was one of his uh, no. names that he had been given at birth. It's not his yeah. legal name, but it's one of his names that he had been given by a family member. And I was
0: just like, Oh, 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 that's your, that's okay your, go. Man. Go.
1: That's your go. man.
0: That's your go. man, girl. Yes. Go. Exactly. Go. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, okay. So, so back to the marriage and building the family and, now, so we asked are the question, yes, you asked the yeah.
1: questions. We asked the questions up front, and then we start, because we were on the ship.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: obviously, we we went into it thinking we were going to have both biological children as well as adopt. So, okay. adoption has never been a, a uh, it wasn't a plan B, it was a part okay. of the plan A. Uh, uh-huh. It's just that one part of plan A did not work out, and the other okay. part of plan A did. So, okay, um, so I think that. People often think of like adoption is your fallback plan or something. And for us, it was not. It was absolutely mm-hmm. part of the conversation, which was odd because as a Nigerian man, that's an odd thing for um, him to come in. Like he up front was like, no, I want to adopt. Like before I said it, he said it.
0: Oh, and wow.
1: I wasn't even the instigator. And so we and I said, well, really? He was like, yeah, you know, my parents, this and that. So there was a heart for that upfront. Um, that's and, good. but we, like I said, we thought we would have multiple children and we thought that that would be kind of a blending of family that we would be mm-hmm. uh, approaching. And, uh, so that's what we, we started on because we were uh, on a ship. And so doing the, and, and we were serving as missionaries, you know, working on, we were doing what we were doing, uh, on support. And so we weren't going to be paying for an adoption on support, Mm -hmm. Um, although people do it all the time, but that just wasn't really what we wanted to do. So, uh, we started thinking, well, we're just going to have some children, the natural old fashioned way. And it didn't work out that way. It just didn't work out that way. And so we had children that did not come to see this earth. Uh, -hmm. they, they did not live. And so, uh, we had multiple pregnancies that ended and, um, it was a, it, a horrible process, to say the least. And I'm being flip. I'm being kind of quick about it, but I have to tell mm-hmm. you, this one of the times I felt the most close to God was while I was having my first miscarriage mm-hmm. in the bed, and and I was thinking there, and there was nobody there because uh, my husband was not in town at the time, and so and we hadn't told people, really. There was only a few people who knew. And so I was by myself. And um and I thought, well, I'm not by myself because God is with me. And he was very, very much that. The sense of Emmanuel, God with us was is tangible. It was tangible. Um and so I'm really grateful for that. You know, you can't always be good, you know, look at the positives that come out of negative situations. You can't always see them. But I can say that that despite the bad stuff that we had to endure in this process, God was still faithful, still ever. He was present. You know, he was um, near and he bonded my husband and I together in ways that I know everybody doesn't, doesn't have because a lot of times these types of things will break families up.
0: Right. You know, so I want to, um, thank you so much for sharing it. And, um, because there is someone who's listening who has been through similar situations that probably has never opened her mouth about it, mm-hmm. um there are people who probably have lost their marriages, you know, just surrounding um, the death of a child, yeah, and so I sincerely thank you for being transparent um and I remember one thing, one conversation um I believe I was having with you years ago and and I share this with anyone who's possibly lost a child. I just believe the Spirit never dies and I believe God meets our needs whether this side or the other
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I also believe that there are babies here who have lost their mother mm-hmm. and those children receive mothers. I think there are mothers in heaven who have left their children, and I just think that they receive babies. And that's just what I believe. And it may be immature, it may be irrational, it may be non-spiritual, it may be whatever you call it. But that is just Deshonda's belief. Yeah. Um, Because I believe he loves us to give us what we need on this side or the other.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, you know, Deshonda, I've always said that I'm God's favorite daughter. And I truly believe that.
0: I'm God's favorite.
1: No, I am. It's me. It's me. But I'm the queen of the universe, Dan. You can be the queen of the universe, but I'm God's favorite.
0: (laughs) When you're not in the room, Um, Mm. I'll be his favorite. Well, Andrea's in the room, so you're his favorite.
1: If you think so. Okay, go ahead. ahead. Need to
0: think. Okay, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) But I think people should argue with me about that. I think everybody should feel like they're his favorite Mm. and that everyone should feel like they have a special place in God's heart. And so I've said that even before all of this stuff happened, right? Mm -hmm. So then when all this stuff started happening and these losses are coming and all this grief is, I'm in the middle of all this. It's like, how do you say you're God's favorite? And you can't even, you know, give birth. You can't even uh, see that to fruition. Like, you know, those Mm -hmm. those are the thoughts that you have in your head um, or that the enemy tries to plant in our head. But I have to tell you, I felt very much um, a lot of kinship with a lot of women in the Bible, but, but that sense of that God is that that's not the determinant of God's love for me, that the the determinant of his love for me is his presence and his faithfulness in my life, period. Doesn't mean I always get what I want. And so in this situation where I wanted these children to live, that was not going to be this part of our story. Um, And so You have to reconcile with that and know that God is in control no matter what. And you're still his favorite. And he still favors you and still loves you. And he's still faithful despite the fact that you had to go through some hard stuff. In the middle of all the hard stuff, he's still
0: there. I love the hard stuff. Oh, my gosh. Andrea, you just hit on something that I think needs to be repeated because it said in my heart for a minute when you Mm -hmm. said it. The negative things that happen to us are not God's determinant of his love for us. Not at all. Neither the positive things. Not at all. Because there's some
1: great things that happen to some really evil folks. So we can't, you know, you can't equate you that, right? That's, yes. not the, that's not the measure of God's love. Mm-hmm. We talked about empowering youth in this year. Um, I think that's one of the lessons that... If I had to look back on like young Andrea and say that lesson is like, just, just knowing that the bad stuff doesn't equate to your worth or who you are. It's just a part of the experience and it doesn't even dampen what is in store for you. Cause right. baby, when I tell you what's on the other side of this journey is so delightful. Right. I, I couldn't have made it up myself. Right. So Whoa. We have to just trust that God is doing what he's doing and and we don't have to know the details. Our 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 need for control doesn't allow for that. I understand. But I, right. but you talked earlier about like the that faith was one of the gifts that God has blessed me with. And I I really think that's a blessing because I've been able to just kind of take my hands off a lot of situations and and really lean into that even even if I wasn't waiting graciously, I was still okay very much trusting that God was in control and going to take care of it all. Yes. Yes. And what he said said was yay and amen. Like what he said was true, no matter what.
0: And you would say that in the midst of the storm, in the bottom of the pit, Andrea is going to say, God told me that this is what's going to happen. And this is going to happen. That's what he said. And your faith is just that. Yes, yes.
1: Okay. And I think everybody's faith can be that. We just choose sometimes to put put our, our self control on top of our faith. Mm-hmm. So you can choose to lift mm-hmm. it off. It doesn't have right. to sit there, you know? So Right, right. So you yeah, okay. can just lift us through it all.
0: All right, let's go the adoption process. Yes, sure. So for someone who is possibly looking to adopt, What does that look like? What are those options? Well, there are several
1: things that. But can I just take one slight step back? You can have it. It's a half a step because I told you that my husband was the one who mentioned this to me at the Mm -hmm. beginning like before we got married while we were doing our premarital counseling and all that. Mm -hmm. But I, when I tell you, as a woman who is a strong woman who can orchestrate all the things that this is not something I chose to orchestrate. And
0: mm-hmm. that, in
1: fact, I did not bring it back up at all. Okay. And then I had to say, God, I trust you to put it on my husband's heart when it's the right time. Okay. And so we found ourselves back here stateside off of the ship. And, you know, I'm thinking it's time, but I can't say I'm like, nope, it has to be his idea. Mm-hmm. It absolutely has to be that he's coming to me. I think that there's some wisdom in that uh, because as women, sometimes as strong women in particular who are used to orchestrating all the things, you mm-hmm. know, we we can make it happen. Right. Uh, but sometimes we need to sit down, step aside and let God make it happen for us. Yes, ma'am. And so we, uh, he came to me and was like, I feel like God is saying it's time for us to start this adoption process. Let's do it. And, you know, we had whatever conversations around that. And then it became, he, you know, it, because we were doing this here in, in this country, this was going to be like my giftings are administrative. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. give me go. I'm about to, I'm about to arrange this thing. And he was like, go, let's do it. So the options that were on the table were foster to adopt mm-hmm. um, or doing a private adoption of an older child or whether you're going to do a private adoption of a baby, doing a private adoption with an agency, a consultant agency, or, and there's they're two different things, and um, a lawyer. Uh, so these are sort of the roots and you get, you start, you know, getting into all the weeds of listening to every YouTube channel out there that even talks about this stuff. One of the things that's hard to find is us, is Black okay. people talking about this. Okay. So there's a couple of organizations that I specifically um, connected with that were helpful for me. Uh, there's a, an organization called We Adopt To, W-A-T,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: okay. um, it's about Black people adopting. And then there is another one. I can't think of the name of it right now. I'm happy to share the links later. but. Okay excuse me they were they were hosting a summit during the national adoption month this month Mm -hmm. three years ago no four years ago so 2019 this Mm -hmm. month they were hosting a summit and that was like basically the thing that kicked off my journey of like getting all the things together um and really or it was part of what kicked off the journey we started in september So I I researched all these options, and it can be overwhelming. But I had my spreadsheet that had all the things, um, Mm -hmm. and realized that fostering to adopt was not for us. And I don't know if you can hear that in the background. That is the evidence of God's promise is real, and thank
0: you, Hallelujah. What to say? The church is growing. The house is growing.
1: Yes. Um, But so, you know we. Foster to adopt was not something that I could do with a clear heart. And I say that because I believe that the intention for fostering is for reunification with the birth parent. Okay. And while it is a cheaper process, as far as adoption goes, it is the cheapest route that you can take most inexpensive route, which is why a lot of people end up taking it. Mm -hmm. But in that I I knew that I could not sustain more miscarriages. We had had four physical ones. And for me, I felt like if we had a child placed in our care and then they went back to their parents, like that would have been another miscarriage. So it would have been this process of like continually. And you have to be like committed to that and open to that and working towards that. Mm -hmm. Like that has to be your goal. And since I knew my goal was to have somebody be in this house, I knew our goal was to have somebody be with us permanently. That was disingenuous.
0: That would not have been
1: an honest thing. People do it all the time. You know, they go into foster knowing that that's their goal is to adopt. And there is a process called foster to adopt. But um, I just feel like that for me didn't feel Mm
0: -hmm. as honest
1: about my intentions. Okay, Uh, And then so... Uh, and then we start talking about, okay, well, do you want to have an older child?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, just thinking about our capacity, like what was best for us was going to be that we, if if at all possible, would be the only parents to parent our child, okay. and not have to undo the trauma of negative parenting process or experiences. Like that was really what we felt like we could handle as a family. Mm-hmm. So we wanted a baby, you know, mm-hmm. we, we wanted a baby. That was what we chose to do. Uh, there's a lot of people who were saying different, you know, you need to have a two-year-old and you have this. And I, and I I really thank God His in his wisdom. He didn't sway my heart on that particular topic. I wouldn't know, you know, what, we set our range. We When you get with an agency, they ask you, what's the range? Of okay. the child that you want, and so we okay. said our range was up to two years old. Um, and so we were open to anything up to two years old. Uh, that was really because it still was some key attachment time that mm-hmm. we could still really invest in attachment with our child and not not be um quite as behind now. <sighs> This is where the this is the hard part because the joy of adoption comes with the sorrow of separation.
0: Joy that of adoption comes with the sorrow of separation. Really? Yes,
1: our big blessing, our our great win in this means that somebody's family got broken up.
0: Yes, and the weight and you of that, are really. aware of that. Yes, and you hold space for that. Yes, thank you.
1: You have to. You don't. I mean, there are people who don't. But if you don't, then you do your child a disservice in the long run, because ultimately, then you have a, an, an embittered child later who says, "You know, you, you know, that you celebrate my uh, adoption day like it wasn't the worst day of my life."
0: Wow. Or,
1: you know, and it's like, yeah, actually, if you think about it, that makes sense, right? You got yes. yanked from the 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 woman that that uh gave you nourishment for mm. 8 9 months whatever it is 10 months mm. and that's sad
0: yes. and
1: in the world of social work and in counseling there's this book uh, a man i can't remember his name but it's it's called the body keeps score
0: okay
1: and um and it just talks about how our body holds trauma yes and um it comes out in a multitude of different ways and so you know that even for adoption that happens at birth, the body is still gonna keep scoring that later there still may be evidence of that that that's that um separation that has happened. That's a trauma that is a big trauma that has, has occurred um and so the older you get with a child, the more trauma is is added on and so again, you have to as a parent. Whether you're a single woman or a single man or a couple or uh, you're a, 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 you know a, a heterosexual couple or a homosexual couple, whatever your, your blending of your family looks like, you have to be aware that this is not easy on all sides, that your okay. joy comes on the back of a brokenness and a very distinct trauma. And so you have to be ready to deal with whatever that trauma could bring.
0: Along the way, okay, Ooh, okay, yeah, okay. so it's a okay. lot, and so we it's a lot, yeah. We, we you see, research. I'm having to,
1: yeah, you I'm have having to breathe, sit
0: in it because even though, like, I'm not <clears throat> a friend that's just going to ask you a thousand questions about stuff, sure. If, if you say this where I'm going, I'm like, okay, let's, where we go, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so even. For me, listening to this and having this conversation with you, it is one that is very deep in my own spirit and my own attachment and just an awareness of everything that's around it within your decision to adopt and receiving um, your daughter and just becoming a wonderful mother that you are. It's a gift. It is absolutely a gift, but it's
1: one that I have to remember. It's not it's, it's, it's on the, on the heels of somebody's loss. okay. And so, yeah, you know, we decided that as we looked at the options, if we did a private adoption where, you know, it was um, just the lawyer involved, then there were some things financially that felt unstable about that. You know, uh, Rightfully so. Every person, every woman has a right to change her mind all the way up until the very last moment. Right. If you have invested in this process and if you have paid for doctor's visits and if you have paid rent to help her through this season, maybe she can't work, maybe she, whatever the case may be, you know, as a prospective adoptive parents, you commit yourself to helping to support this person through their pregnancy, knowing that the hoping that the end result will be that you will end up parenting their child. But if they change their mind at the last minute, all of that money, which is thousands and thousands of dollars, is gone. And and there's no obligation for it. So it's a gift. It's considered a gift. Legally it's considered a gift. So we're not what running, no, we're not sitting in money like that. So we needed some more assurances than we could probably have had with a private adoption. So um, talk about the financial piece, adoption. please.
0: Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about the financial piece so that, you know, our listeners and viewers can understand even what that looks like and sure. fundraising and what that yeah. looks
1: like. Yeah, because you know it's not for it's, it's 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 a money game. Unfortunately, there's a lot of money people feel like Oh, you're selling babies, and i I had to realize that it, I had to reckon like think about that in my mind, like, okay, do I feel like I'm buying a kid? No, I'm not buying a kid. I'm paying for the service of the person who's helping me. That is what I'm paying for, so ultimately, mm-hmm. it's not the child oh is, is the is the free part of this. I'm paying for all of the services of other people no no just navigating through the situation mm-hmm. We chose to go with an agency where. All the cost was included and there was a base. There's one fee like it was this was the amount and that's what you're going to pay. Now, on paper, Mm -hmm. it looked like one of the higher amounts. Um, The average adoption, if you look it up in America right now, the average adoption cost is fifty five (coughs) thousand dollars. Anywhere between thirty five for private adoption, anywhere between thirty five and fifty five thousand dollars. Well, that's the average. So you're going to have a lot of situations where it's much cheaper than that. And you're going to have some situations where it's much more expensive than that. Mm-hmm. If you have a a, a mom who's prospective um, bio mom and eventually like, like they get on bed rest or they have any medical um, problems that aren't being covered, Medicaid or whoever, um, that's out of your pocket. You know, that's $100,000 right there. So there's things like that that you don't have control over. And so we decided that um, the other piece of that is that we needed to have some assurances. There's some agencies where you're you're paying that amount of money or you're paying less. It looks like less on paper because it's like you're only going to pay 25000 but that's only for eighteen months, or that's only for twelve months, and then after that, you're going to have to pay us another ten, and another ten, and another ten, and so the little costs add up, right? So we found uh, after after putting my spreadsheet together, I got that spreadsheet, you know, pros right. and cons for every single place, and the pros for the uh, agency that we ended up going with, which is Gladney Adoption Agency, was that it was a national agency, um, so that we wanted the option for the net to be cast all across the country, that um, it was all inclusive, that there was not going to be a whole lot of nickel and dime in later. So that right. when we were raising money, we could, we had a certain amount that we needed to raise and we could be sure of that. Right. <clears throat> and so we had to then try to think about what were creative ways to raise money. Uh, one of the things that we did was, we have a puzzle, and this is not my idea. I got it online, um, but we have a puzzle that is a beautiful puzzle that has something that is beautifully written on it, and um, we put that, and and, and I, we we sold puzzle pieces, and basically said to our friends and family, "This is you're a part of the puzzle that is putting our life together." You know, okay. and on the back of each puzzle, whenever somebody donated any money, and or purchased a a puzzle piece is their name and so then when we when we got through the process and raised all the money we put the puzzle together in a clear um a clear frame Mm -hmm. so that you could take it off the wall and turn it around and you'll see all the names all the people who invested in our process and it felt like that was a really good gift to be able to give her so that she knows that it wasn't just us. We're not just rich and can just like lay down a bunch of cash, but that it was all of these people who are a part of our village that are hers and they wanted her as much as we wanted her. Yes, yes. So this, your this, yes. this is this your family. This was our family. This is an extension of your family. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is
0: an extension of your family.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, we chose this agency be, we, be also because um, they offer. Post adoption care for the moms. That was really important to me. Oh, that's good. To know that she would have access, should she choose. Now, everybody's not going to choose to use it, but she would have access to scholarships and some other things that would help her if she wanted to take some steps in her life. Okay. And that is open. Like, that is, she didn't have to, like, she hasn't, to this point, to my understanding, decided to utilize those services. But five years from now, she could go back to them and say, okay, now I'm ready and they will do it. Right. So that the money that, that we all, our, our community right. spent is investing in her as well as investing in making sure that she was treated fairly, yes. that she was not coerced, yes. that, you know, all of those things. And so yes. uh, that was important, you know, yes, to, to us to have the, to have the reputation be that the, Birth moms that have been working with them could say they did not feel coerced. They didn't feel like yes. their baby was taken from them unfairly.
0: Right. So not only you receiving a daughter, did you become free to fly, be a mother? Your daughter is free to fly, grow in a loving home, but also her bu- birth mother also has the opportunity to become free to fly as yes. well through your decision to go with that particular agency. That would yes. care for her. Yes. Yeah, and there's a couple of That was a very covered. holistic that's a very, very holistic plan consideration. Man,
1: that's mm-hmm. big. So if you think about what it what is it, if you have several social workers working on your case, mm-hmm. several um counselors working on your case, would you pay part of their salary for the year in order for them? Exactly. To be able to help facilitate this process, exactly. the legal stuff, the lawyer. Exactly. We had one legal cost and that's because only because at the end there's a conflict of interest because initially the child is the custody of the adoption agency when you first get adopted. Okay. And then there's a waiting period. In most places, okay. that's about six months, but it was shorter than that for us. But, mm-hmm. um, But you have this waiting period where you have the child at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at any point in time, if it's not working out, you could decide, hey, this is not what we thought it was going to be. We'll bring the child back to the agency and they'll place her somewhere else. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And
1: then you haven't, you know, and then vice versa. There's, we haven't even touched the part about uh, doing home studies. And so you. That's what I was just about to
0: ask you about. I remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In this process, you have to do home studies. Um, it's not. I used to, I, I still think, I'm like most people, if if people had to do this to get pregnant, we would probably have much healthier children and families out there <laughs> because it's really invasive. It's very much uh, like you feel like somebody is judging you and they are, they are. That's their point. That's the goal, right? Right. So they come to your house as uh, part of it. But the home study is not just about your house, but it's about your relationship. It's about your mental health. So you have to attest to the things that have happened. And you do this whole survey that they do across the country um, that is like saying, you know, all the things that have happened to you in your life. If you've had abuse in your life, it asks you questions about that. It asks you if you've gone through treatment for those things. If you've dealt with your issues, do you have, you know, we all got our issues. We all have things happen. Did you deal with it? How did you deal with it? Are you seeing a counselor? Do you take medication? You know, do you have also all the things that um, build up to them understanding if you're going to be fit to take on this responsibility, you and your mate? And then they come to the house and they make sure that you have, you know, covers on your sockets and um, mm-hmm. that your that your cupboards that are reachable uh, with the bleach in it are closed and locked, and right. that your liquor, liquor cabinet has a lock on it, and that the bathrooms have locks on it and all those kinds of things. And so, um, if you have pets, do your pets have their shots? Do you, so, all the things that make you have a healthy home, you have to show evidence of that. You have to have references. You, they check references. So, you have to provide them with references of your character and who you are. And um, all of that goes into this process. And so, for okay. us, even though we thought it would be shorter, it happened like right around. Right before COVID and so things were definitely longer than we anticipated. Um
0: excuse me.
1: But they that's another low. good
0: reason from you when you chose the full price one and done, you didn't have any extra stuff because you went that route. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Okay.
1: And I didn't like the only like the things that didn't pay for is if we took a trip somewhere. So we did have Three uh, disruptions before okay. this one, uh, To before we finally uh, mm-hmm. have a baby. And that's hard. And that's like that process I was saying about like, um, you know, with fostering where it feels like mm-hmm. that mini miscarriage, um, that was really hard. There was one situation where we were in the hospital with the mom and we were making decisions for the baby already and she had, you know, and then- but she had 48 hours. And within the middle of that 48 hours, she changed her mind. So we woke up after 24 hours of having been there, spent time with the child, spent time with her. She was so sure. It was it was scary how sure she was. And she was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm very sure. da 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 But she spent the night and we encouraged her to spend the night with the baby. We were like, no, you need to say your goodbyes properly. and And she couldn't say goodbye. Um so we woke up to being ghosted basically. So we had to And on up one side it's <laughs>
0: on one side that's sad but then on another side you're thankful that a mother is
1: choosing to with her
0: child. child. Yeah. I, I just know you like yeah. yeah.
1: Like you have it's it's so many emotions. But and it's and it's hard because you know that there are reasons that led her to want to choose adoption to start with.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Those reasons didn't go away. So then you start worrying about the safety and the well-being of that child and hoping that those reasons become a non-issue for her. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. my prayer for that child, is that really that that he's he's safe and sound and that the things that she thought might be an issue became a non-issue. And the good thing about the agency we chose was that the agency would still have worked with her even though she changed her mind. Again, all that post-adoption care still was available Mm -hmm. to her. Now she ghosted them too, but it was available to her. Right. So it's a lump process filled with all the ups and downs of of life, right? Mm -hmm. And just waiting and waiting and waiting. But you have to trust that God again will come through on the other side of the wait.
0: Okay. And
1: he did. We got the call. And when I tell you um, it was, it's, it's a longer story than we can get into right now, but ultimately, mm-hmm. um, our baby is our baby. Mm-hmm. She is the best thing since sliced bread. She is, <laughs> I she's can't, the Greatest uh, everything. I, I know we love bread, she's right? The, she's
0: so, she's so wonderful, like to be around, like she has this joy and this energy and this, yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And she looks like she, my husband. She does.
1: She looks like my husband. God did. See, so I think that's another thing is like even for him, you know, his desire for biological children is tied into that thing that we all have, which is that you will look at your child and they will look like mm-hmm. you. hmm mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing is that she he can look at his child and she looks like him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, if she chooses to never disclose that she is adopted, then nobody will know. Right. She she fits into our family perfectly. Right. She looks like all You Allah.
0: are gonna share with her. her oh, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. That okay. was in the, that was actually a point of contention, not contention, but that was one of those little debates with my husband. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he grew up in a place where it's like, no, we wouldn't tell her that. Of course, that's not what we do. That's an old school mentality. Right. Uh about adoption is like number one, having it be a closed adoption. Right, where you don't know who the parents are, you don't know who anything is, and you don't have any details. Uh, I was not here for that. I wanted the healthiest option of a bad situation, right? And I know that over years and years, we, you know what what's come to be known is that open adoption is better, even if it's not like you know. There's some families that they like have entwined their families and like. Mm-hmm. The birth parents are like part of the family. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't do that, which is not really what our desire was. Mm -hmm. Um, But to have the information available. Right. To have that person know that they are loved and cared for and that you appreciate them. Right. And that you recognize that this is a gift. Yes. It's important. uh, And that they're not forgotten and thrown away so that she can fly. Mm -hmm. Her birth mom has the right to fly as much as we do. Right, And so I wanted that. So in that, it meant that she would have to know, mm-hmm. you know, have an open adoption. It means not who is this random woman or man that you have coming around. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's your first mom, but I'm your second mom. I'm the, I'm the one that you see every day.
0: Yeah. And there is nothing. I was on the phone with my biological mother the other day and I was like I don't know how people only have one mom like, right. I don't know what I would do without two moms Right. neither one takes away from the other not like they're necessary both of my mothers are necessary to create me so you and her biological you're both necessary right. there is no her without the both of you there is no mm-hmm. me I can, well, I can speak for me. There is no Deshonda without Laura and Audrey.
1: No. Not
0: one. Right. She does not exist. She is 100%. not free to fly without Laura and Audrey.
1: 100%. It happens all the time. Yes. We deal with blended families all the time, and but somehow exactly. when it comes to this, people think, oh, that's not possible. Why isn't it possible? Right. You know, I have all the legal rights. I make all the decisions day to day. Yes. I'm not afraid that she's going to come like you know uh fatal attraction her and just like you know i don't know people right. have this image though that's part of it. it is mm-hmm. the fear people are mm-hmm. so caught up in fear
0: mm-hmm.
1: that somebody's gonna come and take your child
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're not gonna come take your child there's a reason why they chose adoption mm-hmm. and legally you have all the rights so if we're gonna go there then let's go there you legally have all the rights. they're not gonna take it back there are no take backs Yeah. And while you hear like the one, the one or two or three examples of that where somebody was unethically adopted. And so, you know, there was, you know, a a birth father who came back into the woodwork and like sued for custody Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. those are so rare in the scheme of things um, that it was more important that you have a healthy situation where Mm -hmm. we can all love her. Even if you love her from afar. Right. Because I need her to know she's loved. Right. I don't want her to ever feel like. Exactly. She was cast off. Exactly. I want her to know that her mother made this decision because it was the best decision for her best growth. So that she could fly. Yes. That her mother wanted her to fly. And that's why she made this decision. I got a message from her the other day because I just sent her. You know, we sent updates mm-hmm. as part of our post-adoption agreement, and I'm outside of like I've done all the uh, updates I'm supposed to do that I'm like obligated mm-hmm. to do, but I want to still do them. You know, so I sent an email, just a quick one, just saying, hey, this is a quick note, just to let you know how she's doing. Everything is good. She still hasn't started walking because she's just done not need to. Everybody carries her Ollie. Just a quick message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't know if they even read them or look at them because she hadn't responded like initially, but she responded to this one and the last one. She responded and she said, thank you for loving my daughter. You know, so there's this exchange of like, if I'm insecure, then I'm be like, wait, my daughter, you said my, yes, that is her daughter. It's her daughter. And it's my daughter too. And it's your yeah. I know.
0: We, we go on and on and on right so it's- Man, you know me oh my god <laughs> this is so rich Andrea thank you so much
1: absolutely
0: thank I wish you. more
1: thank of us knew that it wasn't as scary as people think it is yes. it's hard it is not for the faint let's be clear okay. you need to be sure and you need to be committed even if you're going the cheaper route of fostering A lot of times in fostering, you're dealing with somebody who's been removed from their home for Mm -hmm. bad reasons. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of trauma that you're going to have to Mm -hmm. deal with. If -hmm. you are not committed to counseling, if you're one of those people who doesn't think counseling is a thing, you should
0: never adopt. Okay. You should never foster. So you did do counseling and therapy throughout your adoption process? 100%.
1: I'm a person who's an advocate for counseling. I did. I do. It. Okay. And they had classes that you have to take and they have all these things that you have to do as an adoptive parent to get ready to make sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. So there are things in the process that are structured that way so that you will do the things to take care of yourself. But it's just me mm-hmm. being who I am. I have a counselor, I have a therapist. I keep my therapist because mm-hmm. she helps me to fly. <laughs> and she does.
0: She and does. So,
1: you know, let's be clear. I think everybody should have one. She does. But if you're not committed to it or if you don't think it's a thing, then you're going to be struggling if your kid all of a sudden has attachment issues and you're like, what do you mean attachment issues? You know, There's language out there that can help you through this. And it's not as scary as it seems sometimes, but you have to be open to other people helping you, that your village has to be big and you have to be like receptive to what your village wants to do.
0: Okay. 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 Yo. Hmm. Speechless. I so okay. know. And I'm, sorry. I know. Yeah. I'm just no, I'm just speechless. I'm speechless. <clears throat> I'm speechless. I implore anyone listening and watching this episode. Whether in the beginning we started off if you know someone who's interested or thinking about adoption, share it but I think this needs to be shared throughout our community so that we can change the narrative and the perspective and the fear and Mm -hmm. the thoughts that we have around adoption and blended families in this way. Yes. So please, please share this with someone. Definitely sit down and even talk with your children about it Mm -hmm. because even children in school, they may find something out and they may have this irresponsible ideology of what adoption is in a child. You know what I mean? Because at one day she's going to be in school, you know? And so this is, this is definitely important to change the narrative in our community And if you're listening, look, I'm about, look, I'm about to speak for you. Now this is your friend talking right here. Okay. Okay. If if you're listening and you need someone to share with a community about adoption, Andrea is more than happy to share with you. Um, she's more than happy to share her story. And as you can see, man, she comes with the fire. She comes ready and she comes with love more than anything. Sure. Um, At this point, my last question would be, out of all the things, what do you think the greatest thing has been that has allowed you to be free to fly? Specific to adoption or just generally? It can be generally. It can be specific to adoption.
1: I think that the understanding that there are no limitations is what makes me feel free to fly and have felt that way because that comes from <clears throat> that, that knowledge and understanding comes from my mom, okay. my dad, my brother, every, you know, everybody, the teachers that I had, the counselors that I mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. my aunties and them. hmm Nobody put limitations in my mind. Nobody said you can't. Right. I grew up thinking I could do anything I wanted to do. Me too. I, I and I still believe that.
0: My child like that. One hundred percent. I can do anything if that's what I want to do. I can do it.
1: Yes. I got accused once of being a jack of all trades and a master of none, and I thought, what was the? Where's the insult in being a jack of all trades? I can I can try all the things. Why not? Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Now you should master something one hundred percent. However, I think it, that statement was made out of somebody's like limited thinking that you have to limit yourself to only do this one thing in your life. Right. A lot of us get told this is who you have to be, and I don't. I never got told this. I got told right. there's no limit to what you can do or choose to be.
0: That's that's wonderful.
1: So if you have the potential to be that in somebody else's life, you need to speak it. You need to tell people you know. Grown people, you need to tell. People older than you, you need to tell. Because mm-hmm. even if somebody's 60, 70, they still might need somebody to encourage them and say, hey, listen, you don't have to limit yourself. You can do Whatever. Whatever.
0: Can do whatever, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm I'm gonna say this one last thing. You reveal something. You reveal that your father is from Guinea. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of years ago, I did my African ancestry, and my father's father's lineage is from Guinea Bissau, and okay. Guinea Bissau is the where it's separated. So, Guinea was one nation, one people. And then when it was colonized, the French took one part and the Portuguese took another part. Mm-hmm. So this these beautiful smiles come from. We're yeah. sister. <laughs> yes, you were that's my girl, you That's my girl. Okay. 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 Um, so we're gonna we're gonna end right here. Um for our listeners, share this, as we've said. Um, you can watch it on YouTube, follow Apple, Spotify. We are here. We are here to help. We're here to serve. Um, if you feel like someone has some information on a particular topic or subject that you think needs to be shared in our community with love, um, definitely reach out to the She's Free to Fly podcast. You can find me on Instagram or anywhere like that. But I will definitely end as I always do, and especially on this episode, that I pray that you receive my love. I pray that you feel God's grace, and I pray that you share it with others. And goodbye. All right. I love you. love you.